Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. The views and opinions of this show are directly those of the hosts and its guests. It does not reflect the opinions of its affiliates or its sponsors. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views. And it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? <laughs> Something epic. This is Paratroop Radio. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And today we have on another guest. Uh, we're excited to have her on and uh, should be a good talk. This is going to be more of an open discussion. So there's no book here, uh, which is kind of good. I think we have a lot of authors on. It's kind of hard not to have authors on. I feel like in the paranormal community, well, all we have are authors, uh, which is fine. We love talking with authors because the books are so in-depth about uh, regarding their research in the paranormal. But um, this is going to be much more broader conversation, which is really cool because we get to kind of explore various aspects of the paranormal today uh, with somebody. So that'll be a lot of fun. How's your week going so far? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, been pretty steady um working in this new detail for a position has kind of leveled out my my work schedule so i can actually get up and write instead of trying to wait till after work when i don't want to write at all anyways but mm-hmm. been really good how about yours yeah about the same uh you know it, it's been kind of weird trying to study for for my um my PT certification, just because the last few days I've been really busy. And then today I tried to do it. I spent like an hour on it, took a quiz a couple of times to kind of get to know the material. And then after that hour, I just started to lose focus. It's like, oh, darn. So hopefully we get a better chance at moving forward with the progress tomorrow. But We'll see how that goes. Right. Anyway, we should probably go ahead and jump into today's episode because I'm sure everybody would rather listen to our conversation with our guests than <laughs> to just listen to us babble about nonsense. Yeah. So a near-death experience led June Ahern to unexpected and successful careers as a psychic reader, medium, and paranormal investigator. She has authored four books, two of which are nonfiction and cover subjects on parapsychology and the paranormal. In 1990, her book, The Timeless Counselor, The Best Guide to Psychic Reading, was a number one bestseller for a new author. A movie about a murder case she worked on with law enforcement, which can be found in her book, How to Talk with Spirits, Seances, Mediums, Ghost Hunts, is scheduled for release in 2022. That's pretty soon, clearly. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) After 40 plus years, she has retired from private practice, but keeps her psychic interests alive with the Haunted Bay Paranormal Investigations documentary series, which can be seen on Amazon Prime and YouTube. So be sure to check them out. But without further ado, let's go to the line with June. 
Well, June, welcome to Paratruth Radio. We're really glad to have you. Thank you. Glad to be here. I think the, the first question I really want to ask you to kind of kick off uh, today's conversation is really just what event sparked your paranormal interest and how did those interests manifest into your current career? Well, my real interest comes from childhood. My mother was very interested in it. She used to watch uh, One Step Beyond, a very old TV program. And she would read our teacup leaves and talk about dreams. And she had some premonitions herself. So we were always kind of interested in it. And then I hit the 60s. I was a child in San Francisco, coming of age in in the 60s in San Francisco. So there was always this interest in altering the mind. When I had a near-death experience in 1970 uh, is when my particular abilities came on very quick after that, meaning I thought I was having a lot of deja vus. And I thought that I didn't know what was going on in my mind. So I had that near-death experience and I took me years to talk about it. And also I had an experience where I thought I went to the other side. I still believe I went to the other side. You know, not until later on did anybody really talk about this it wasn't like it is today where everybody talks about it. But Dr. Raymond Moody came out with a book, Life After Life, around 1977-78, that I opened up and started talking about my near-death experience. But before that, I was already interested in the Tarot and started to read it. I was reading the Tarot by then. Okay. Now, you're not the first that I've heard people say that um, they had a near-death experience and it kind of... Uh, opened them up to the other side, meaning they started having some type of sensitivity or psychic ability. Um, is that something that you feel came from that experience or do you think you were already open and then that just enhanced it? I think it came from that experience. I was interested before I had been doing yoga. Uh, I had been looking at past lives. And as I said, there was no internet. So if you go to the library and you look at, uh, for up for information, uh, but nothing like what I experienced until I had that near-death experience at that time. And I began to know things about people before I would even see them. I would know I was going to see them before they said certain things. I knew they were going to. And I began to know things about them and ask them about their particular life that I had no access to their information. And then when I had my first visitation from spirit. So none of that happened previous to the accident. Okay. So, I mean, you had mentioned that the the i guess the visions that you're having you originally thought were deja vu how did you end up deciphering that this deja vu was more than deja vu like how did you know the difference well i didn't really until i uh, i was before my accident i had a woman read my cards but they were the playing deck of cards and it was a bunch of girls and we went over somebody's house and it was all for fun but she predicted what was going to happen i was going to get an accident i was going to be between two men while i was seeing one guy i went out with the other guy <laughs> you know and i didn't i wasn't interested in anybody else until this accident then i went out with someone else got caught big time and <laughs> So I didn't really know when I began, I I saw a class that was going to be offered in San Francisco through a a source called Orpheum at that time, turned into the learning annex later. Uh, And I went to it and I began to learn the Tarot and the 
teacher took me aside and she said, you know, you're really good at this. Uh, have you thought about maybe, you know, doing more readings for people? And then I began to understand through the tarot cards uh, that I could actually know things about people and see where they're going. People would come back to me. And these were all my little guinea pigs. I called them my guinea pigs at that time, practicing on all my family and friends. And then I realized there was something else happening besides the deja vu. Interesting. So you've looks like you've come come out with a, a couple of books. Um, you, you've got another one here in the works for 2022. But uh, before we get to the books, when you f- first started going through this, and, and back then, I mean, I'm sure the the paranormal community was not nearly as as big as it is now. It was still very taboo back then. But uh, did you eventually just start? Uh, reaching out and, and finding teams and working with teams and stuff like that? Or did you kind of just do it on your own? Yeah, I, 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 um, we, I grew up in a quite religious family and you just didn't really talk a lot about what, what was happening with me. So it wasn't until I started to read for people and then I met people. You're absolutely right. It wasn't mainstream like it is now. I mean, everybody is out there and talks about it openly. And so little by little through giving readings and going to some other classes in the tarot cards. Uh, and there was a church called the Unity Church in San Francisco. You could go and meet other people that thought like I did. And I met Betty Bethard, another author, and she did dreams. And little by little, I, I became more involved and had the opportunity to learn more of what was going on with me. It's really uh, very uncomfortable and and really not uh, a little bit frightening like why am I seeing dead people and why do I know these things about people so I had to find out for myself what was going on and take by through taking classes workshops and going to uh, other kinds of meetings where people were interested in what I was interested in Mm -hmm. okay it's it's so like during that time then uh like early on it was it's probably probably a little scary. I, I would imagine not understanding what's happening. Uh, at what point would you say that you really just fully accepted it? You woke up and just said, you know what, this is a thing and I'm going to just dive in and take it wherever it needs to go. Like, what was that like? I believe it was more uh, about nine, 1980. I had my son and I start, I had the opportunity to uh, stay home with him a little bit and, and do, uh, do my readings. And I began to accept more. I started to teach. I taught other people how to read the tarot. Uh, I had a good time with it. And I began to accept it more that it was okay. I was meeting people that accepted me. You know, you have to uh, understand in the beginning, it was more of a sense of, um, you know, what is wrong with her? Uh, I've had people call me, even my family tell me I was working with the devil and and all of that. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. until really the early 80s, I became more comfortable with what I was doing. Okay. So doing doing tarot for as long as you have, um, this is something I've tried to explain to Eric because he doesn't fully understand it. And I don't know how to explain it enough because, you know, I've I've done it and and. It's just hard for me to explain. So for for a layman, like, how do you know the what you're getting through your tarot reading is is a potential what's going to happen type of thing compared to, you know, you know, 
being a reader, you have to interpret the cards. So a lot of people get confused, and, and I think that's where the uh, taboo stuff comes from about going to somebody who does tarot. That it's like, oh, it's just it's just something fun to do. It's not anything to take seriously or anything like that. Well, to begin with, it is fun to do. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can learn to read the tarot in a way where you learn some of the meanings, like each card has a particular meaning to it. And you could do an okay job with that. If you're, and you may not be aware that you're fully engaged in your own psychic mind. I don't know if you ever watched Jeopardy and there was a woman on there named Amy that kept reading, uh, kept answering the question. She went up to a million dollars, something. Okay. She reads the tarot. She said, they asked her, they said, you know, and she said, yes, what I'm doing. And that's exactly what the word is reader. You, when you have particular, uh, you've opened up your psychic mind and you have particular talents and abilities and skills, then you're able to access information with the psychic mind about the person, you know, okay. Uh, that you don't you've never met before you know nothing about and in that then you give back to them which they really should know I mean my best readings are always when I say to somebody when someone says back to me a client that's what I was thinking when someone says oh no that's not me that never happened which turns out that does happen but you uh, you access their subconscious mind. It's called the acoustic records and you get into it. You get into what's going on in their psychic mind and you give it back to them. You, you read it and you give it back to them. Uh, and I know it's difficult for people to think that way if they have not experienced it. Mm -hmm. That's why to me, readers aren't great. They're just people with certain abilities. Like anybody has particular abilities. I couldn't put together a podcast show. I wouldn't know how to do it. You have those abilities. I have the other abilities and that's to be able to access someone's psychic mind. Oh, okay. Not for everything, but plenty. So, <laughs> tarot is basically a, a tool to access those abilities is basically. The tarot, it gives you an, uh, what it does for me, it gives me an opportunity to bring together what I'm receiving psychically and put it into words. You know, um, I'll just give you an example. Like say I picked this kind of card, the Ace of Swords, and I'm getting, I'm getting in my mind that this person uh, has to stop scattering their energy, get focused on what they're going to do and move on it. And I'm thinking, I'm getting all kinds of images in my mind and colors, and I have to bring it into a usable language. I have to give it to this person in language. And so I'm looking at that Ace of Swords and I'm saying, okay, you need to make up your mind to get focused. This is a time to say yes, but you're so scattered. And the person says, well, you're absolutely right. I got five different projects going. So that's, that's how you use the tarot. It is the uh, looking at it and forming your bringing your thought your thoughts into a communication. Okay. Okay. So, in a day in which there's like a lot of digital content, and you know, in this case, Justin and I both have an app that every morning we can click on it and we can see what our tarot card is for that day. Uh, there are also individuals out there, Justin included, uh, who will read tarot for themselves. 
And I'm just curious, is reading tarot for yourself really something that you should be doing or should you let somebody else do it for you? Because I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like some individuals may uh, have difficulty conceptualizing what's happening on that card, depending on where they're at that current day in their mind or what's happening in life. Uh, they may try to twist the words a little bit or the breeding a little bit on their own. So would you, would you can tell somebody maybe like even a professional show card reader that they should go talk to somebody else and let them read them uh, instead of doing it yourself or how, how does that work? Well, to begin with, uh, it's difficult for when people aren't going to take the time to actually learn with the symbolism, the astrology sign uh, assigned to that card and the, the numerology. Uh, people just want to just pick up the card and say, oh, I know what that means, mm -hmm. which isn't really always accurate uh, to that. I have to say that I, I will read for myself. You, okay. know, <laughs> I, you know, I will pick like the card for the day and the problem is if I don't like it, I might pick another one and say, oh, that can relate to me. <laughs> it's not a bad, it's not negative to do. Um, if you could be honest with yourself, if you could say, what can I get out of this? It could really get your mind going and give you ideas to work with. So I'm not against it. If it's a big decision or something that's really bothering you, you might want to ask another person. Uh, it's just like asking a friend. If you say to somebody, mm, I got to make this big decision, should I buy the Ferrari or not? You know, it's a lot of money. And so you ask, I always say you know, a dozen of your best friends. Well, if you have a big decision and, and you do believe in the Tarot and you go to a reader or any reader, whether it's a Tarot or not, then you're getting somebody else's take on it, on mm -hmm. a kind of a psychic mind. So I think it's okay to read for yourself if you can use it constructively for whatever it is you want to be uh, aware of and awakening. So I'm not against it. It's okay. just to be real honest. <laughs> So would you say that maybe it would it be a good thing for someone who's reading tarot for themselves to have either to A, choose whether it's a positive meaning on the card or negative meaning, or if you should do both, give yourself, oh, this is the positive side of what this card could mean, but this is the negative side, and then have people help you decide <laughs> which is best for, for your current life situation. Wait, this this must mean something because I just put the cards all back together and, and the okay. ace, the ace came right back. Sorry for one of you two guys. Uh, well, when a card is upright, you're looking at it in a more you can see how more positive that appears even to you. Okay. This is called reverse. If you pick a card and it's in reverse, then it's the usually of the 78 cards, it's the opposite, not for every single one, but usually. So if you pick it up and it's in reverse and you're saying, I'm trying to make a decision, this would be saying, you're not ready to, you need to go inside of yourself and look more at what it is that you're going to be making a decision about. Okay. So that's what, it, that's what it's depending on. I'm just trying to see if like, say this card, the five of wands and already it's kind of a, you know, Sorry, somebody dumped their dog off because they were having an emergency and I ended up with it. Today. <laughs> not, not my usual. I could go put her outside. Do you want to wait a minute? Or No, that's fine. It, we're fine. I, either way. <laughs> ruining your podcasting. <laughs> no, I can a... say no because it was, a, it was an emergency. So yeah. if you have this uh, five of wands and it already looks like there's a lot of conflict, right? 
a lot right. of conflict in the energy. Okay. So that would mean there's a lot of conflict, but if you do it in reverse, you see this blue sky down here, mm -hmm. then that would say, I know there's a lot of conflict, but it, this, it's going to open up for you. You're not going to be so uh, under the pressure of okay. the conflict that's going on around you. So it's really learning how to read the cards. that's so important. Right. Okay. Whatever deck you have, you know, they, they usually give you a little uh, booklet with it. Mm -hmm. Go Great. beyond that. See if you can get a little bit more. Um, really study numerology because it has a great impact on the cards. Okay. Okay. And it's funny that Eric brings that up because every day, um, if I'm not understanding what it applies to, I'll, I'll text it to him. I'll text it to my wife. And I'm like, okay, where in my life does this apply? Because it could mean a hundred of different things. So yeah, each card has, has close to, it's like a dictionary word. You look up, it's, it's kind of close to the same definition, but, but not, not completely. Okay. Okay. Got it. Well, and that's something that I've never delved into. And, and maybe that is part of the reason I don't understand fully is numerology. Um, I had gotten a numerology car, uh, book way back when, when I was like 18, 19 years old. Um, and I, I read through it, but I, I never really understood it. So I think maybe studying would help. Um, so for those that want to read tarot, do you feel they sh that that's what they should be doing is look at multiple things before you're you're doing it for yourself or others so that way you have a more accurate understanding? Well, first of all, you, uh, you want to get a good book on your particular deck and oh. really study that. Um, I mean, there are so many symbols within one card. Uh, you know, especially the major arcana cards, there's so many symbols. Like, let's look at the tarot card uh, called the tower. You, every single one of these symbols has a meaning on, onto itself that makes up the full picture. You could use this as a one card spread. If you wanted to meditate, this would be a good card, all the major arcana just to use one card. Uh, and you don't want to confuse yourself by asking everybody's take on it. Uh, unless your wife or, you know, uh, have a, have a little bit of knowledge about this and about you. Uh, it's like taking everything and making it into one answer for you. You know how confusing it is sometimes when you ask too many people what they think about something, you know, mm -hmm. you say, Oh my God, they, you know, so I would say you really should study it. There are classes now online. There's great books. There's a lot of resources whatever deck you have study each and every one of the 78 cards, you know, and that's how you're going to become more consciously aware. Or, you know what, sometimes I take a card, you can put it by your bedside and you can say, I'm going to dream about what this symbol and this card means to me. I'm going to, I'm going to dream about this card tonight. Before you go to sleep, you look at it and then pay attention. And first thing in the morning, when you wake up, what was your dream? Okay. So, and in that case, it's always important as a tarot reader, maybe to keep a journal on the side. Absolutely. Have, you know, record your dreams, record all your findings and stuff like that, and then see how it changes over time. Because, because I, I'd, I'd imagine that what you might believe a card to symbolize may change at some point in the future, as you begin to grow and progress in your knowledge and understanding of the symbolism within each card. 
Well, it certainly has for me from when I started out. I mean, I'm studying the Kabbalah uh, and the major arcana right now, and that's really deep. You know, they go into the dimensional square directions and everything else, and I'm like, whoa, what does that mean? And so uh, as time goes on, if you're really interested in the tarot, you can absolutely get deeper into it and study what was assigned to it. You know, why did they why did they use um, these little symbols here that look like little kind of fire things? What, you know, what's the purpose of it? And you get deeper into the meaning of it. And then you get deep. It's just like growing up. You when you're a teenager, a young person, you know, young 20s, you have some ideas about a particular problem or how to address people or whatever. But you change over time if you're paying attention, you know, and you change hopefully for the better. And that's what the tarot card can do. It, it, you understand it even at a deeper level than ever before. Okay. So, and and on my question, this is going to kind of shift the conversation a little bit, I think. Um, but as a medium, do you find that spirit communication plays into some of your tarot readings? Do you ever hear spirits like over your shoulder, like, oh no, this is what it really means or anything like that? I, I do hear spirit. Well, usually over my shoulder is funny because I always say when I when my guides tap me, I go, ah, I get where this is for this client or whatever. Okay. I get it. And that's exactly what they do on my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> you must be seeing that. And so um, if you're talking about spirits of those that were in physical form one time, like somebody died and they went into spirit with the tarot, is that what you mean more of? Uh, sure. I mean, I, either way, really, whether they were uh, already spirits, eternal spirits, or if they were once human and passed over, or like any, anything that you tend yeah, to come um, across. Usually when I'm doing my medium work, I usually don't use the tarot. Okay. Uh, there are times I will, I, if I, well, I, I'm retired, as I've told you from doing private sessions. Well, mostly retired. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, I would set a third chair in the room. So there would be me, my client, and the third chair. And the third chair was always inviting a spirit to come in and visit with us. And so I usually don't use the tarot, but there are times that I might pick a card if I'm finding a difficult time being clear to the client what I the message I want to get over. Remember, the tarot uh, centers my mind and gives me the words to communicate to somebody. Right. I mean, I've said something to uh, clients over the years and they go, I don't get it. I don't. So I've changed a little bit of how I delivered it. They go, oh, that's what you mean. You know, it's not that I really changed the real meaning of it. I just changed the wording. Okay. Being a, a sensitive medium myself, and I, I say sensitive because I haven't gone the full route of, of honing my ability as much as I can. Um, have you ever gotten news for somebody that you're like, uh, no, I'm not going to tell them that? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, so I'm looking at the person and the person's looking at me, you know, two living beings, and I'm getting these messages and I'm saying in my head, no, I'm not going to say that. And then the spirit say, oh, we'll say this. And I'm going, no, I'm, I'm having a conversation with spirit while I'm looking at the person very pleasantly. I'm like, oh, how, how am I going to deliver to this information? Right. <laughs> And I've had different, you know, psychic friends tell me that the they won't 
or they'll try and word it in a way that it's not as negative as what the right. spirit is trying to communicate. I was just going to say that, or, or I look for a way to deliver it where I'm not going to shock the person or send them into a dark spin. Uh, I look for a way. And then I uh, encourage them. Uh, remember, everything that you're looking at in the present time that includes future, it's more like a, a forewarning, right? Do you want this to happen? Or this could happen? Or when this happens, uh, here's some choices of how you can deal with it. You can you can change your own self and just and your energy and how you approach something to help change an outcome. Most people don't understand that about readings. You know, people sit and wait for this thing to happen that the reader said. I discourage that all the time with my clients. You know, if you don't want, if you don't like it, what do you want to do about it? How are you going to, if it should happen, how do you want to approach it? How do you want to react to it? Right. Right. Well, and then whether or not they can even change it too, because, you, you know, we, we, we've also been talked about on the show, like everything we do creates in life creates like kind of a small ripple that can affect the future of ourselves or somebody else. And even though for most of us, it's difficult to quote unquote, predict the future and know exactly what it is we're going to do to make, you know, option A happen <laughs> or not happen is a difficult thing, but you can kind of have an idea uh, like, for example, if it's regarding a job, you know, that may end, like, how can we fix that? What do I do currently at work in my current, you know, in life that uh, maybe would affect that outcome that would either make it happen or could potentially protect me and keep that, protect, uh, stop that from happening, you know? Uh, and of course, it's very difficult, I think, for most of us uh, who, who don't uh, understand uh, the full idea of how little actions change certain aspects of life throughout time. Uh, it, it's a weird concept. And like, even when we try to talk about it here on air, it's, we end up eventually just stuttering over words and like, I don't know what we're talking about really, but you know, it makes no sense, but it's, it happens. And like, there's things that have happened just over the last year that I've looked back on and like, Oh, if I would have done this, then I wouldn't be going through this current situation now, you know, and that was an option back then to have gone a different route and I chose wrong. Uh, and mostly because I haven't thought enough into the future as to how this might affect uh, today's outcome. But it's a weird thing. If you're, if you're talking, if we're talking about uh, a reading and mm -hmm. the reader says something, uh, how perhaps you cannot, if you're in a company and the reader says this company is going to have a lot of financial problems. It's going to close down. That's when you say, well, I'll hang on to my job till that happens. Maybe mm -hmm. I'll get a severance pay. But in the present time or soon, I'll start to upgrade my uh, resume. I'll start to see what else is out there. I'll start to maybe save my money. I'll start, okay. you know, you start thinking, well, if this really is going to happen, then let me look at what my options might be. So I may not end mm. the situation, but I am more prepared for the situation. Right. But we can't be prepared for everything in life because how can we really learn and grow unless sure. there's difficulties? Sure. You know, all of us. Yeah. And really like in terms of just preparing, I mean, you should really prepare for any everything because it's always going to affect you positively if you're prepared in some way. Uh, and again, you can't do it necessarily for everything, 
but you know, whether it's a job that supposedly might fail, you know, it might be very strong right now. And the person who's being read might think, oh, well, it's a very successful business. It's not going to happen. And they don't do anything. And then it does. Still having a couple of ideas of what you could do, if that should ever happen, would be a good idea. On the flip side, if it's a company that uh, maybe isn't doing very well, and the reader says, oh, it's going to become successful, you should maybe still have an idea of what you want to do in that company in the future, but still have a backup just in case something should fall through. Um, because again, like, I mean, I don't know exactly if the readings are always 100% spot on, or if talking about these little ripples, you may read something, but then a ripple occurs, which can affect that reading in the future and maybe change the outcome some way. Uh, so having that backup is always an important thing to have. Yeah, well, uh, you know, readings take place in the present time. What is happening, where your energy is, where the world's energy is, you know, it's, it's the present time. From the present time and the way things are happening, this is an outcome. And you're right. And then say, uh, well, nobody expects wars, right? Right. And then suddenly, boom, there you are in the middle of a war. And you're thinking, well, I just had a reading six months ago. They didn't mention this. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, you know, and it comes down to that all that old Buddhist thing of go with the flow, be aware, be mindful, you know, all mm -hmm. of that stuff. Uh, we can't change everything, but where change always begins is in your mind. I, I know for working with people for years and being a, a, a life coach, a metaphysical coach, and they say change is something, well, you have to change your mind. People tell me all the time, I have no choice. Mm -hmm. you know, oh God, I have no choice. We always have choice. Even if the choice is, how do I want to look at this in my mind mentally? And that's where people uh, often fail because they come from their emotions rather than going into their mental self. Right. I'm glad you bring that up because I'm a person that when I was younger, I was very depressed. I ended up on medication. Um, going off medications, going back on medications. And uh, it really took the one day of me saying, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, and I've been able to transform the way I think. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I can't lie and say I don't have negative thoughts because I do. But it's the way that you react to those things that, is the overall outcome. And, and I think that's a huge message for people to hear because not everybody understands that it can just be something as simple as that. Now I'm not saying don't trust your doctors and don't take your meds. Cause that's not what I'm saying at all. But uh, I think that too many people just rely on the meds and, and try not to just change their, their train of thought. Absolutely. Uh, it's I'm no Pollyanna and I got a temper, but I'm older now. So I have less of a temper. I'm a reactionary. If you say something to me, I'm going to come charging out with fist up, you know, uh, less now. But um, it's a job almost when you have that kind of uh, difficult, say difficult upbringing, difficult child, or depression runs in your DNA, it runs in your family. Uh, it's not always easy to change, unless you make a real commitment to it and check your mind every day. I mean, there's days I start out really happy. 
and I start to, I see something on the news. What do I do? I, I get angry and I use profanity and I do all the stuff that I stop. The more that you find some sort of inner peace or the more you find something better about yourself in life, the more you're conscious when you're feeling depressed or you're responding negatively. I write affirmations. I do meditations. I belong to a particular spiritual study group that puts me back in line. You know, So there's things you could do, chanting, being out in nature. And you're right. Um, these are the kind of things that can happen even while you're taking your medication. You know, uh, if that's what your choice is and you feel like that's best for you, you know, who am I to say you shouldn't do it? That's how I look at it. Right. But I, 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 there are many other things you can do for your body and your mind and your spiritual self. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So in t this is something that Justin and I have actually discussed with a couple of um, uh, past guests, and it's in regard to being a medium or learning uh, how to develop your medium, uh, your mediumship. When you first started, I, the question that I'm asking is like, what was it like? Like for Justin, he often talks about hearing, getting a ringing in his ears at night. Uh, and it's this belief that there's spirit communication going on there, but he can't quite access uh, the words that they're trying to speak. He's not open to it. Is that something that you experienced? Um, and whether yes or no, how did you go about really like molding it into what you hear today and how you interact with them? At first, my my visitations scared the bejeebas out of me. I mean, I, it, was, it was horrible. It was nothing I was ready for. And there, here's some examples. Um, a young man that I knew in Oregon, well, I was young then too, but we were young together. When I left there, you know, he was upset I left. And then I had him come to me one night and, it, and he showed up. Um, I wasn't asleep, but I wasn't awake. You know, I was kind of resting mm -hmm. and I felt him. And then I saw him or I, I believed I saw him, you know, like, wow. And then the next day, his uh, mother called me. Yeah, it was his mother. And she said, you know, Clyde committed suicide yesterday. Oh, man, I, I, I should have known. But I was that was one of my first, you know, sightings. Yeah. And so he showed up to me and I didn't realize how much and then she, how much I was meant to him. And then his mother said, you know, he really was in love with you. And I'm like, oh boy, you know? Uh, so that was very frightening and it was depressing actually, you know, to, to know this person that was a vibrant, really hunky guy committed suicide. There had to be something else going on in his life. And then when my grandparents came, of all things, I was cleaning out the bathroom and I felt them their presence behind me and I turned around and literally they, uh, they both took my hand and sat me down on my bed and said, we want to have you tell your mother that we're together and we're happy. I had no idea what was going on. Uh, I mean, I was just shocked. I couldn't respond or communicate back. Mm -hmm. I just was their little puppet, so to speak. I called my mother. I said, Oh mom, you know, granny and granda came to me. And, and they said they're okay. She went, oh, my God, thank you so much. I wanted to know. I've been praying, you know, we're there together. So I began to realize, wow, this is strange. I'm starting to have uh, spirits show up to me. And so it grew over time. I had to grow comfortable with it. I had to learn that I could communicate with them verbally. Um, so many have shown up. 
I, I don't want them to show up where I see them physically. I'd rather just see them in my mind. Even today, I'm not, I'm like, just come in my mind. Don't show up in my room. Right. <laughs> Boundaries. <laughs> you know, don't put my bed covers down. Don't start twinkling little lights at me or anything. So now it's I've really had that happen. <laughs> yeah. The twinkling of the lights in my eyes while I'm trying to sleep. Um, <laughs> so, you, you had mentioned that your mom read tea leaves and, and stuff like that. Was she um, developed an into mediumship or was it just kind of like on the brink of sensitivity and that was pretty much it? Well, you know, uh, as I said, you know, we were strict Catholics and you just didn't go to anybody that did this or talk about this. Uh, she like I think it was natural to her, but we weren't allowed to, to go and tell the nuns or anybody else, you know, that my mother was telling us this stuff. So I, it was her, her natural way of, of feeling things was then became her entertainment, if you will, like watching things like, you know, one step beyond or always reading mystery books and uh, the tea leaves were fun to her. You know, so I believe she had it, but she never even, I mean, she read our leaves. Well, up until she was probably in her 90s when we we're at something before she transitioned uh, 96. Um, and she'd always still laugh, you know, but she was so right on. I mean, she was so right on with this stuff, but she looked at it as it's just fun. It's just fun. Right. Okay. So in regards to, to your writing, at what point did you decide, you know, I need, I want to, I want to start writing and I need to start writing. Was this something that you just wanted like to do because it was something on your bucket list or is this something that was kind of like given to you by, you know, through spirit communication or something you had to share? Like, how, how did that go happen? Well, I always like to, my whole family, we draw, we write. My mother was a, a great poet and, and such. So we would write little stories, you know, but the first book I wrote and published uh, was the timeless counselor it was titled something else uh, before that and it came from a friend and a friend said to me you know June people would take you a lot more serious if you actually had a book they could read you know um, because I was saying to her oh I'm so tired of repeating over and over to people when they come for reading and what's going to happen to them and so, you know such like that I wish this is a, you didn't email these are the days where you had to get on the phone to somebody and talk to right. them and so um I be quiet. <laughs> nice little puppy. Yeah. And so uh, she said, well, put it in writing. And I thought, oh, I could do that. And I didn't even have, she gave me this old clunky computer that had a floppy, floppy disk. You mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know it was a computer. I mean, I could do use a typewriter. So I thought something would take about six months to write. It took me a couple of years. And it was about because she told me, why don't you write this book and, you know, we'll get it, we'll print it out there and we'll, we'll put it out there. And so I wrote this little book about when you go to a reading and how to find a reader and what, how to ask questions to get the most out of the reading, uh, what to do with the information and all, all of what I had experienced as a reader and how to make it better for people to understand and to be aware of somebody scamming you, you know, how to tell if somebody's just trying to get something out of you. How do you tell, uh, you know, like somebody is really not talented and they're trying to pass themselves off as a reader. Right. And so that's that's how that book came around. Every single book I wrote was on somebody else's suggestion. Okay. 
that's usually how it works for the most part. Um, but I, I see that you actually wrote a, a, a fiction novel as well, as well as a couple of other nonfiction books. So what made you do that transition from, uh, you know, starting with nonfiction, you went to fiction, and then you continued on with your nonfiction work? I'd like to tell stories. <laughs> Uh, well, I first wrote my two uh, uh, fictional books. I actually wrote them as screenplays first because that's what I was looking at in my mind. You know, I was looking at, uh, let me see if this whole dog will go down. I was looking at whatever was the characters and what was going on. So the first one, The Sky in June, I said to an author friend, she had a few books out herself, nonfiction. She said, you know, people would take your screenplay more seriously if you had a book, a novel. I said, oh, God, how long is that going to take? They, oh, the screenplay took me three years. And so I said, all right, I'll write that. And I had a great time writing it. And I had because it uh, includes Scottish characters, and, and uh, I'm Scottish, I'm an immigrant to the United States, but I'm legal. I've been here a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't come across any borders or anything, so don't come to my house. I'm there. And uh, they came, my, my mother and my older sisters came over, my nieces, and we all took the character lines. And, and so we kind of all wrote, I wrote it, but they helped me with the ideas and the language and, and such like that. So that, that's how that book came around. The second one was still a, a fictional book and that was a screenplay too. Well, actually what happened is I went to down to LA to do uh, a stage adaption for my first novel. And I met a Scottish actress down there. Oh, actor, we're not supposed to say actress anymore, actor. And uh, she said, you know what? I really like to do this, uh, but I think it, would you write something for me? And so I started to write something for her. And then uh, my eldest sister, who I was very close with, uh, she died very suddenly, like very inconveniently in one day, as I said, after a while. And so what I did is um, I stopped writing and then she, I lost contact with her, but I had a, went ahead and did the, uh, the novel anyway at some point. So those were fun. And not, writing a novel is fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, too. I have to tell anybody out there thinks that it's easy. It is not easy, especially when you get editors involved. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> they take away what you think is absolutely great and go, oh, what do you mean by that? <laughs> right. Well, as a screenwriter myself, and I've, I've written four features and a ton of shorts, uh, and I'm working on a novel and I've done a bunch of short stories, but transitioning from a screenplay to a novel is a completely different beast, in my opinion, just because you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's, it's, they're the same. Or, you know, you have like writers who, who write books and like, oh, a screenplay's harder. And screenwriters like, no, the novel's harder. Uh, now, as a screenwriter, you're basically writing ideas down along with dialogue. And then you have a large community of other people, individuals who come in and add in all the other details. You know, you got your directors and your art design and all that. So when you were transitioning from your screenplay and turning it into a novel, what was it like to realize, oh, I've got to create an entire world now? Like, would, did that come relatively easy or was that just like, oh, this is difficult. It's fun, but really difficult to do. Uh, you know, actually, I probably should have started out with the novel first because okay. I was so much fun with it. Um, 
I didn't know how to write a screenplay. I, okay. I, uh, I read a book or um, I, I met a woman that actually did go to the whole thing in LA, the screenwriting school and all of that stuff. And she came as a client for reading and she ended up helping me. Um, can I go take care of that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> so, so what, what I thought it was a lot of fun. I liked writing the novel probably a lot better. I liked dialogue. You know, okay. so I, had, I had a great time, but I didn't have a difficult time. I took what I already wrote dialogue and the idea of what I wanted. And then I just filled in the, filled in the spots. Okay. Kind of. Okay. So my final question is, uh, you, you know, You've done all this stuff. You've written these books. Um, we are getting close to the end of the show. Um, so I want you to tell everybody where they can find you, find the books, um, and, and all the services that you offer. The mic's all yours. Okay. Uh, I, I just want to say one thing. Uh, my, my latest book, How to Talk with Spirits, uh, um, I did a, a house investigation for somebody, and he ended up, he has some films out and stuff like that, and he ended up, uh, taking one of my murder cases from the book that I worked on with the police and he wrote a screenplay. And so it is actually, uh, you know, he, I, I, it optioned and, and he's out there and he's got people and he plans on uh, doing a film of this. Oh. I mean, I've written a screenplay that he came and uh, from my experience, mm -hmm. he wrote a screenplay from it and, and of course interviewed me and asked me questions. Of course I read the screenplay and I went, Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, we'll wrap it up. But that was that. That that was an interesting uh, process. Talk about screenplays and taking it off of something. Uh, how people can get a hold of me is through my webpage, which is Juneahern.com. A H E R N.com. Uh, you can start there. It has everything, my Facebook and my Twitter and everything else is, is on that uh, web page. And my books are all through me or on Amazon. You can look look me up, June, June Ahern, A-H-E-R-N. All right. All right. June, thank you so much for being on Paratruth Radio. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, folks. That was June Ahern. Uh, several books out uh she had mentioned them all but i'll mention them really quick again uh she's got um a, the timeless counselor uh city of redemption how to talk with spirits seances mediums ghost hunts paranormal nonfiction, and the sky in june um make sure you check all those out make sure you check out her website and all of that great stuff but uh we're gonna Take a quick break. You're going to hear Eric's random fact of the day, a quick commercial, and we'll be right back with Paratruth Radio. Now, Eric's random fact of the day. Did you know that alcohol can be made from urine? According to NewScientist.com, there is a woman who urinates alcohol without having consumed any whatsoever. It happens when intoxicating levels of ethanol are produced in the digestive system. The condition is caused by yeast in the bladder, which ferments the sugar in urine to produce alcohol. The diagnosis is called urinary autobrewery syndrome. This was Eric's random fact of the day.
History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. We just got off the line with you, Ahern. And uh, we talked a lot about her uh, tarot reading, her med- mediumship, and of course, we covered some of her books there as well and how she got into writing. Uh, very broad conversation, but flowed really nicely, which is always great. Right. Uh, I feel like sometimes when we have conversations on multiple topics, it's like, okay, let's stop, pause, and restart with a different topic. But they all kind of like for her, it all kind of interconnects, which is really cool. Um and none of this was rehearsed, by the way, folks. This all just really just lined up. <laughs> Eric did the first question, and it just all. And I, I think it, personally, too, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I need to stay focused on topic. We're not going to jump around. We have to follow the timeline. And I think right, that's right. where we get confused sometimes. Sure. Um, now, in, in regard to tarot, because this was pretty compre- comprehensive in, in terms of tarot reading. So, you know, this is something that you have been practicing and you regularly send me uh you know your your readings your your app readings i guess we'll call mm-hmm. them uh like where is your mind at right now regarding some of the things that she's told and some of the stories um you, you know i have thought this for a while but you know talking to june i really need to kind of understand things more before I'm doing any other readings or anything because if I've done readings it's either been for myself uh, I've done them for my wife before I've done them for a couple of friends before nothing nothing uh, professionally or anything like that um, but I, I think she explained it to the point that I'm understanding now that I don't understand as much as I should or okay. have educated myself enough to understand the readings. Um, I do think she had a really good point though, that like you had asked her, if you're doing one for yourself, how, how do you, first off, should you, and, and how do you like hone in on, on what's the card supposed to be saying? Um, and I think she, she explained that very well to the point that now if I'm getting these cards, I can, maybe step back and be like, okay, maybe I kind of really understand where this is going now. But when you are first waking up, you're, you got your cup of coffee and you do your drawing for the day and you look at it. I'm like, 
what is that even supposed to mean? And even you've said that to me. What is this card even trying to right. say? <laughs> um, did that help you understand a little bit more with tarot reading? It did. And I ended up on that app that we have, I ended up uh, getting a card that I didn't really make sense as to where it would be applied. But now that like we've had this conversation with her and I've, I guess I have more of a broad understanding of it. Um, that I should probably go back, read it again, and think more broadly, I guess, as to how that might apply. Because uh, I think a lot a lot of the time when I look at uh, these tarot cards, whether they're like that or like I pick one up at a store and look just, you know, I don't know much about it. But when I look at it, I try to uh, acutely characterize it to whatever's happening. And I think that's a big problem for me is because I try so hard to narrow in on what the specification is regarding the card that I often can't find it. And then I, I you know, have trouble figuring out what it means. And I, th I think there's always like a, 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 I think there's always a pinpointed spot in our lives where maybe a card would work, but I think we also have to look at them broadly and how it can uh, relate to us on a much wider spectrum, whether that be just in terms of what we're doing in life now, or whether that means uh, a broader spectrum in terms of like our future and what can possibly happen in the next you know, year, two, five, et cetera. Uh, yeah, so I, I, one thing also that I've heard recently, which she kind of um, clarified was how important numerology is in tarot reading uh that's something i've had a discussion with someone very recently and she uses numerology she studied it and loves it she thinks it's super easy uh and i wasn't quite understanding why it's important but then here we are with june telling us the same thing uh and i guess that makes sense because i'm always looking at like oh the five of pentacles what what's it matter why are there five you know and i don't know i don't know anything about it but it makes sense why we should have some sort of understanding of that for sure uh, I, I think that uh, something to note too, and you can speak on this for yourself, but for me, whenever I'm looking at a card, like if we're just doing this, this day card, I look at it and try and think of how it applies to what's going on in my life in the present. Mm -hmm. With tarot, it can be past, present, or future. So okay. you really have to pay attention to, was there something in my past that this card would apply to that's shaping what's coming up. Right. Yeah, for sure. I think one thing that I think I'm going to consider is I feel like everybody does like daily readings for themselves. And at least for the next few weeks, I kind of want to just do like a monthly one where I choose a card and I just meditate on it until I fully understand or have a conceptualized idea uh, of what that particular card means before moving on to something else. Because I think for people just starting out, you choose one card, you try to rationalize that card, and then the next day you get a new card, and then you move on without fully understanding that past yeah. card. And I suppose over time, you can eventually clarify some of those meanings and what they all symbolize, so long as you're writing them down and then you can go back and be like, okay, this is what worked, or this is what didn't, and this is what this meant, and that, you know, so on and so forth. Um, the the idea that 
June gave us to take a card and, you know, put it on your nightstand and say, I'm going to dream about this symbol, what mm -hmm. this means, you know, and maybe that doesn't happen that night. So that's something you need to work on over the next, you know, however long it takes until you do it. And there's various ways to get yourself to dream about some of this stuff. And we can actually go into that at some point in the future here. Uh, Cause that's something I don't think we've really ever considered or, or discussed, I should say. Um, and that is how we can dream about certain symbols or just ideas you know uh you and how you can even um i guess how you can teach yourself to dream lucidly as well and how that can affect um both your nights and then ultimately uh, your days especially there's symbolism involved in any of your dreams uh but that would be definitely a future episode in like weeks from now because we've got a lot of guests coming up <laughs> right well uh and then there's somebody like me that will look at it and be like, okay, I want to dream about the meaning of this. And then you dream about monsters coming to attack the world and they're eating people and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah. And they're made out of spaghetti. And you're like, what the heck does this mean? <laughs> there's so much more symbol symbology in the dream <laughs> that I wasn't even trying to concentrate on. <laughs> and I, I think, I think that, that's where your point is to um, you have to really hone your mind to say, I want God or, or my, my spirit guides or whatever to show me what this is. Not I'm going to dream about this. You really have mm -hmm. to ask for help to do that. Right. Um, so that is pretty much it for this week for june ahern or ahern um so make sure you check her out check check out the website i thought the website was put together pretty well as well um and she's got a bunch of different services that she had mentioned she's a life coach and she's a metaphysical coach so check that all out check out the books next week uh, we're gonna be talking to megan rose about her book spirit marriage intimate relationship with relationships with otherworldly beings. Um, and this is going to be a really interesting conversation because um, Eric and I have seen articles about uh, somebody marrying a dead pirate and, you know, they ended up in divorce and stuff like that. Um, so it'll be interesting to talk about this with Megan because that article kind of makes it a comical thing. And she's coming at it from a, a not just uh, aspect of studying, but she also says that in the book that she has taken part in a spiritual marriage. So I'm going to be really interested to talk to her about all this because I've never really delved into this before. Um, I know you you probably heard about it, but not really delved yeah. into it. I mean, I, I'll tell you, I've never delved into it. I mean, like, I heard about it. I was like, this is weird. Uh, and then you told, told me that, oh, here's this person who wrote a book. I'm like, well, that's weird too, but okay, let's do this. I want to know more. Right. So uh, make sure you check that out. Uh, make sure you're checking out all the episodes on Killer or all the uh, shows on KillerPodcasts.com. Uh, make sure you check out Evergreen Podcasts as well, who hosts Killer Podcasts. And uh, they've now moved into a new building so congratulations to evergreen for moving into an uh, old radio 
studio station. Mm -hmm. So congrats to you guys for that. So until next week, folks, where you'll find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. To help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network.